What is up? Welcome to the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guide Media. Today we have the Tyler Brothers with us, of course, uh, as almost always. And uh, today we're doing top five horror comedy films. And uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good one. We're gonna do round robin, so everyone's gonna do their five, and then their four, and then their three, and then their two, and then unveil their one, and we'll throw some honorable mentions at the end. And this one's gonna be uh, this one's gonna be fun. Uh, it's hard to. Well, first of all, boys, say hello. What do you know? What do you say? <laughs> it's uh, it's hard to. Hello. it's hard to to really truly categorize what a horror comedy is because there's a lot of horror films that i think some people find funny that others don't uh be it intentional or or unintentional and then there's you know comedy movies that have a horror element to them that people wouldn't consider horror and would just consider comedy um but this is a free-for-all whatever you think a horror comedy is if it's on your list it's on your list See that that's exactly what I was gonna say that I was gonna talk about on the pod. Like there's so many movies that are like borderline where there's like I guess you would never say, Oh, this is my favorite comedy movie, but uh, you know, it's a horror movie with a extreme amount of comedy elements and vice versa, so like uh like uh Solo, uh Antichrist. Uh, don't ever mention Solo on this podcast. <laughs> ever. Can we just not talk about it ever again? <laughs> Um, but yeah, if anybody anybody listening likes Salo, I want you to message me at Eric, Eric Scott Tyler, and let me know what you like about the film (laughs) and message Jorge. Wait, what's Sean's Instagram name? Jorge Hendo 315. Jorge underscore Hendo 315. Yeah. Instant message him your favorite screenshots from the phone. Sean won't listen to this anyway, so we can call him out and say that he's hanging out with a girl over podcasting with us. So I just wanted to throw that that jab in there. Um, but yeah, so there is there's so much to uh, to be able to choose from to make a top five. I easily could have made a top ten. I opted to not. Yeah, may I ask why? I mean, we could do a top ten. I don't know if you guys had enough. I I didn't know if anybody else had enough films. Mm. No, I was just curious. Uh, I figured we did a top ten to for to do movies in a. I don't know. I I don't know. I I figured just mix it up. Just do a top five. I guess. Okay, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. No, I I have no. uh, I don't mind. It this one was really hard there because there was a me, immediately a bunch that I thought of but I was trying to figure out what constitutes a top five like what what are the qualifications to make that top five list? All you have to do is ask your heart. It's it's really hard, but you can, uh, edit, you can edit that out. Did you guys find before we jump in? Did you guys find this hard or easy to compile a top five? Uh, I find it. Fairly, I don't want to say easy, but there's, there are films that they came up with, but then there was other films where I'm like, is this a comedy? Like, am I leaving this out? Uh, and then kind of the, like, what I would put in my top five. You know, like, the same with every other list, I guess, but it was a, it was fun to make it, though. That's for sure. It was, pre- it was pretty easy for me, but 
there was there is more that I feel like I could have included. Um, and there's one movie that I'm still I didn't include, but I feel like I should. But I also feel like it doesn't qualify. Well, we'll we'll get to that when we get to the honorable mentions. We'll uh, we'll get some of those out. This was really I, it wasn't hard for me to think of films because it was it was really easy for me to think of horror comedies. Um, but to narrow it down to a top five that make that cut, I tried going with like most nostalgic or ones that I've watched the most. Um, because I think you know rewatchability is key in any top ten, five, twenty, whatever list is how many times have you rewatched it? Granted, you know, there's movies that I would put on lists that I saw maybe two or three times ever that would make a list, but I noticed that a lot of the films that I put in the top spots of any list are films that I've rewatched incessantly, you know, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times or more. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was hard and there's a, I can't wait to get to the honorable mentions just because, it almost will feel like uh, I'm doing a disservice to some of these films by not mentioning them. So I can't wait to get into the top uh, five. But the way we'll do this, everyone does their... We do a round robin. Someone says their five. The other person and the final person. Which one of you two... Since I went first the last time, I will go last this time. And one of you guys can start it off. Hit it, BT. Okay. My number five is a 1977 film from Japan called House, a.k.a. Houseu, a.k.a. a movie that Brian likes. <laughs> um, I, you know, there was this one night I, I was living with Sean's sister, Chris, randomly, and, you know, I just wanted to prove I could be independent by living with two roommates instead of my dad. But one night, you know what? I decided to take a walk home because I wanted to watch something on cable, you know? We didn't have cable at that Henderson slash Tyler household. So I, wa- I walked home, got there about one in the morning, turned the TV, and found a movie on IFC where... This poor little beautiful Japanese girl was getting attacked by a head that came out of a, a well and then turned into a watermelon. And what proceeded was the most insane, yet morbidly beautiful piece of art I have ever seen in my entire life. I've never and seen I've never seen the original <laughs> house. What? I've never seen. Well, there's no. It's not related to the uh, Steve Miner, Sean Cunningham house. Oh, I always thought that 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 the the Steve Miner uh, Cunningham house was a remake. Was supposed to no, be. It's totally its own thing. Oh, okay. Now I'm mean, more intrigued. I'm more intrigued to check it out now. Oh, you have to watch it. It's like a really, really crazy. Uh, I know they, you know none of us do this, but it probably like what a equivalent to like what a crazy Japanese seventies acid trip would be like. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of, Very kind interesting. Of There's nothing else like it. I, I'm definitely interested to check it out for sure. 
I would say it's in a category of its own, kind of. I mean, it's it's really it's kind of wild. Oddly enough, it was like their answer to Jaws, even though it literally is nothing like Jaws. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't like know America that. had come out with this big blockbuster hit with great special effects for the time. So in Japan, they're like, we want to do a big special effects film, and that's basically the only comparison. But it got made because of Jaws. Interesting. Well, all right, Eric, what's your five? Uh, so number five for me, uh, this is one, again, like, I'm sure, I don't even know if it would technically be categorized as a horror film, I guess, maybe, but I chose uh, 1994 Timber and Ed Wood. Um, obviously, uh, you know, it is a comedy flick, and that's what I mean. I don't know if it really is truly a, on the horror side of things. Obviously, we have... Uh, Ed Wood, played by Johnny Depp, um, and kind of him breaking into the into the film industry, but like uh, Martin Landau playing Bela Lugosi, just a super hilarious flick, really all-star cast. This one kind of hit me later in life. Like, I, I didn't even know, this wasn't even on my radar for a long time, and the BT actually showed this to me. Um, I didn't even realize it was a Tim Burton flick for the longest time, but uh, ever since the first time I showed it, he showed it to me years ago, I've definitely always loved this one and i think it's kind of uh it's kind of an unsung uh movie for a lot of the people in this and and tim burton himself but definitely a hilarious flick um and i love the portrayal of like you know Lago- martin lando is lagosi is absolutely hilarious and i think johnny depp Jeff- johnny depp did a great job with this one um so yeah number five for me ed wood Nice, yeah, Edward. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, I remember liking it back, you know, my teenage years and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely, definitely falls into that. Like I said, it, it, this is more so like our makeshift version of what we consider a horror comedy. So, and me myself, I would definitely consider that a horror comedy. Perfect. Yeah, that's this one. I was like back and forth. Like I actually, I had it on my list, and then I was like, well, maybe I should take it off because it's not really. Would someone really consider this like a horror flick? But I think it has like, obviously the. Um, you know, like the what is what it's about basically. The this, this story obviously is very heavily influenced since obviously you know playing out from outer space and Legosi and all the other uh, sci-fi and monster stuff that's rolled into it. So it's the elements. I see it. I like it. I see what you did there. Right on. So, um, so for my five, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was still tinkering with this list even 20 seconds ago. Um, it's, it's really fucking hard. Um, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up a last minute audible on here. I had at number five, I had Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Right on, yeah. And I love that film, but I'm bumping it out. Um, and not for any other reason than I, I mean, it sounds crazy cause I just grew up, I grew up with Elvira, I grew up watching Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, but I'm bumping it out and I'm putting 2015's Krampus, uh, by Michael Doherty. Um, that movie, uh, more absolutely similar, um, to Trick or Treat, not even in the sense of Michael Doherty being the director, 
and the creative mind behind it, but the fact that it is in a short amount of time, even shorter amount of time than Trick or Treat has has uh, finessed its way into my yearly watch around that holiday season. Um, it is a perfect movie as far as uh, holiday goes. It's very horrific. It's very comedic. I think that might be one of the most perfect horror comedies ever, and that's the only reason I almost feel terrible bumping Elvira out, but I've watched Elvira Mistress of the Dark, I think, once in the last five years, and like I said, if I'm going by rewatchability, I've watched Krampus at least six times. I saw it in theaters in December of 2015, and I've literally watched it every December at least once, sometimes twice since then. So I got to go Krampus as my number five. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I mean, you're so right, though. That movie is so great, and it really has, like, taken its – it's right up there with, like, some of the other uh, movies that you would watch, like, on a yearly basis, obviously, because it ties into the Christmas stuff, and it's it's just so so goddamn fun. And I, I think I'm with you. Like, that is now a movie that, like – obviously, we, we, we're watching movies all the time, but that one is a one that you make a point to watch every year, and that's a, that's a really good point about that. Yeah, it's it, – go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say I similarly had Elvira on my list originally. But then I realized Elvira's more it's kind of more in like the spoof section which could count, but I tried to separate like horror comedies, like movies that are almost equally funny and scary and separate that from just full-on spoofs of the horror genre. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's a hard to you know decipher what's what, but I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. We all had to. That was one of my rules. I'm sure we all had like our own rules for what counted and what didn't. But you and right. you and I, Brian and, and Eric, I know you're a fan too. Uh, fans of Elvira, we both immediately had Elvira on our list, but uh, ended up bumping it. So I think that's interesting too. Not a knock against either one of her feature films mistress mistress of the darker uh elvira's haunted hills um but yeah krampus just beat it out for me and and yeah uh let's hear uh let's hear number four brian at number four i have the people under the stairs which to me gets better every time i watch it i i just think it's brilliant that wes craven made this movie that was like really dark and disturbing but also really funny, like darkly comedic. And he, comedy wasn't really something that he had done before that point. Like his films had humor every once in a while, but he never did like a comedy horror film. And he nailed it, I think. I'm Which was gonna... brilliant given how dark the like social commentary was. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've mm-hmm. never... It's one of those movies where... I always understood and admired and recognized the comedic elements in it, but I've never considered it a comedy, but I guess, I guess it always kind of has had that like comedic horror like element. I think because it gets so dark that I can't totally see it as a horror comedy, but I understand why it's considered a horror comedy by some, Yeah, but I never like that slapstick humor. (laughs) I feel like it was almost, just a little inspired by Home Alone in some way. 
Oh, it won. It one hundred percent had to have been, and also all the the Leon and Fool stuff in the house is very all that slapstick shit is very like when he, they're getting electrocuted and and uh, Prince is biting him. That's a total like Three Stooges type like gimmick slash Home Alone. You know that someone happened to Mar- yeah. Harry and Marv like one hundred percent. But I I also get what you mean. Like it, the subject matter is so dark that. You know, you don't always think of it as right comedy, but I, I like that. It's a good choice. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as, as Jesse, where I didn't maybe think of it as uh, in that you know, see it in that comedic light. Like, obviously, there's comedic elements, but I love, I absolutely love that you have it on your list. It creeped sure. me out so bad as a, and it's the same thing. And, and and if this is spoiling anything, don't don't reveal it until later. It's the same reason I won. Now I'll preface this by saying that if I didn't, I I know it's considered a horror comedy, Return of Return of the Living Dead, but I never when I as a younger kid like there were some parts that like made me chuckle, but it was so horrific to me as a kid. It was just like, I don't know, like scare it was scary to me as a kid. Um, like it just like creeped me out, but I also just loved it because it had like a punk aesthetic before I even really knew what punk was. Um and I mean, honestly, if Return of the Living Dead was on my list, it would one hundred percent beat out every movie on my list. There's no doubt that that movie would have been my number one. So yeah. I think part of me wanted to leave it out just because I didn't want like a dead ringer for my number one. I wanted to just go on what I truly consider a horror comedy. And I know that is a horror comedy, but I guess for me, it always read as more horror than comedy, but I know it's very funny and there's a million things that I laugh at now and it's great. For sure. I think what's great about this list is like, we each have our own interpretation of what we think should go on the list. And obviously like, you know, Brian just put, uh, people under the stairs on our list i know we all love that movie you just talked about return of the living dead and not that it's on your list per se but i'm saying like it's it's just really cool to see our vision of what we consider uh to be on this list you know what i mean so i think that's really cool yeah like i said we're all sort of following our our own individual rules here which i think is great exactly what do you got for number four eric all right, so number four for me is a really fun movie from 2004 that is called Dead in Breakfast. I love this movie. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen this movie, which I'm sure you have, but it's basically just literally just like the cheesiest, like kind of brainless, uh, super low budget, hilarious, almost zombie. It's, it's got everything. It's got murders, zombies, uh, possession. Uh, but kind of uh, weirdly, an all-star cast a little bit too. We got David Carradine in it, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who now is, is really popular for playing Negan uh, on The Walking Dead. But basically, it's kind of your typical story about these uh, these early twenty-somethings are heading to a um, a wedding in Texas, and they break down. They stop at a bed and breakfast, uh, which is run by David Carradine, and somebody gets murdered. And basically, uh, a, a, possess, a possessed spirit gets released from this uh, from this box uh, in this uh, bed and breakfast, and it, it basically just turns the whole town into these zombies. But there's like this uh, narrator for the story, this uh, dude, and he every so often in the movie he breaks out into a country song about what's happening in the movie, and it's just literally, I think it's, it's hilarious. Uh, 
I showed it to my wife uh, like last year at some point, and as you all know, she kind of thought it was the dumbest thing she's ever seen. But I strongly suggest anybody to check this out if it's not on their radar. Just like I said, a mindless, like just straight over the top. You know, that's what they're going for. Like super cheesy, super comedic, uh, and really gory uh, comedy horror. You know, you know, I I've seen this movie before, so. If you were familiar with Time Warner when they had the on-demand pay-per-views where you could literally go to the on-demand pay-per-view channel and they had a million different things that you could like just hit two buttons and select and uh, yeah, yeah. and it was and they had a million options it was after you know like it was before the the days of like you know calling in the pay-per-view to purchase it and things like that it was when digital cable really like came to the forefront and like it had been there for like probably I don't know, five, six years, but I remember late night, like selecting that, watching it and thinking it was kind of dumb, but that was also 2000, whenever, what'd you say it was for? So it had to have been, it had to have been, yeah, don't get the twist of it. It is super dumb, but it's just, I don't know. I'm going to revisit it. I'm going to revisit it. it. Yeah. I just think it's like fun. Like it's not something that no one's going to put it on like a, their most influential, influential horror flicks or anything. Right. Right. uh, you could tell uh, it's just a fun ass, like, gory, you know, movie. And I think uh, if you have an attitude like we do, you know, where we find a lot of comedy and stuff, I think you, you would really like it. So I'm definitely going to re- recheck that out for sure. Perfect. All right. My number four. Uh, this is one that I think quite possibly may be the second funniest movie out of all the movies that I've selected. Now there's three movies above it, um, because those movies are super special to me. But um, this movie might be the most funny. Uh, it's a black and white film, and it slayed me as a kid. It still slays me. It stars the legendary Gene Wilder, uh, Young Frankenstein. It yes. it always like. I remember watching this in Haunted Honeymoon with Gene Wilder. And those two movies as a kid tore me the hell up. And honestly, I might, because I watched Young Frankenstein more, Haunted Honeymoon almost made my top five too. It could have been that or this one. But I think Young Frankenstein just, uh, or Frankenstein, as Gene Wilder puts it, um, just I, it's just so classic. It's probably the best I don't know what what if you want to call it. I mean, it's spoof, a spoof movie. Uh, as yeah. Br- Brian said, he 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 went out of his way to not include spoof movies, but th- I guess this could be considered a spoof movie. But it's just I don't know. It just it's so goddamn funny. If you've not seen it and you're a horror fan and you're a comedy fan, you have to check this movie out because I think it's it it it, it helps epitomize what the horror comedy truly is. Right. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to watch it. I've never seen yeah. it in full. Yeah. Oh, Mel, Mel, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks uh, directed it. It's from 75, 74, I think 74. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, Mel Brooks is obviously, like, one of the the early kings of, like, that type. The parody type spoof, of yeah. Yeah, which it, it is a spoof. And, I mean, not to give anything away, but this, this is definitely on my honorable mentions list. Like, I love this flick. Uh, fucking Peter Boyle, like fucking amazing. Uh, 
<laughs> his portrayal of the monster is just great. Cloris Leachman, um, and then obviously uh, Gene Wilder, who's just literally a goddamn legend. But yeah, this one is so great. And uh, to to pop in another Mel Brooks because I didn't have it in my initial honorable mentions. Uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It is another one that fucking like annihilates me. It slays me. That's definitely in my honorable mentions. Another Mel Brooks film. Yeah, Mel Brooks is like one of those guys that people used to. I remember like people would say about like Larry David kind of with Seinfeld. Like it's one of those things. Like if you get it, you get. You know what I mean? Not to sound like an elitist like that, but like if you understand the humor and you get it, it's hilarious. But then there's like a lot of people who just don't get it. But I feel like the Mel Brooks stuff is is really in that kind of the same vein. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, no. I mean, this is <laughs> Dracula Dead Loving It again. Like I, I think it's hilarious and. And uh, Young Frankenstein is, is literally, literally legendary. So, I mean, maybe the king of, or, like, the, the top tier of, like, you know, horror comedies. Because that's exactly what it is. You're taking a classic horror tale and you just put his Mel Brooks spin on it. So. Oh, yeah. 100%. Back to you, Brian. What you what do you got? At, we're breaking in your top three. Well, coincidentally, I have Return of the Living Dead at number three. Nice. Oh, nice. Breaking all the rules. Has already been mentioned. Um, I just think as a perfect balance of comedy and horror. Like, for me, my experience with it is mostly uh, comedic. I, I mostly see it as... Well, I, I'm, I don't mostly see it as a comedy, but I'm mostly having fun and, like, laughing while watching it. But there's so there's those moments that you actually realize what's happening is completely terrifying. And there's, like, a good balance of characters that are reacting humorously and characters whose reactions are, you know, they're terrified and you can really feel it, so. Absolutely. And great memory here, because, you know, the story... From the beginning of the movie that James Karen tells to Tom Matthews about Night of the Living Dead being basically based on a true story and like the real thing that happened there with the the bodies were just twitching a little bit. Yeah, that like that as a kid, like that whole scene, like I know like I don't know, I like I feel I feel stupid, I guess, when I hear people like talk about how funny that movie is because when I was little and and uh James Karen's character as uh, Frank is telling that story, like, and they're playing that, like, great, like, ominous score. Like, that, like, creeped me out as a kid. I was just like, because that's the shit, like, my parents would do all the time. It's my old man and shit. When we were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're like, yeah, he fucking Leatherface moved up to Canastota. He's been in the woods for a fucking few years. No one can find him. Well, that's where I was going is Eric. Before I was able to see the movie, Eric had obviously saw it. So he told me that story as if it were true. <laughs> and I didn't realize that it was not true until he finally showed me the movie. <laughs> Sorry about that. Again, this is That's this is what's no, and the, this is another funny part is I wrote a review for one of my first IMDB reviews for the original Night of the Living Dead. And I included that as like little trivia because i i believed it was a true story so i wrote that in my imdb <laughs> they were like who the f- this guy's on fucking drugs he literally thinks <laughs> li- the night of living dead thing is real well i was like 11 or 12 i'm gonna have to find it and send you guys a screenshot please do yeah. we'll, we'll post that on the heart god page but 
well this is exactly what we're saying like we're we're talking about all this funny shit like that that's it goes to show you like how like intertwined horror and comedy truly is and i think alice cooper said it in in uh the nightmare on elm street uh documentary never sleep again he talks about how horror and comedy are so intertwined and like the same people who get comedy or, or get horror films understand comedy and there's comedy in horror films for for levity purposes just you know dark humor for for the sake of it and it's just it's they're you know they're they're kissing cousins yeah they really yeah, are they, they, they go hand in hand absolutely so eric what do you got for your number three number three for me i have 1987's evil dead 2 you know the Evil Dead movies, I feel like, of all the... I could be wrong. I mean, I guess I really have to put more thought into it, but I feel like of all the franchises when it comes to, you know, in the horror genre or the horror realm, I think Evil Dead is probably the one that's most associated with humor just because of the outrageous stuff that happens in these in these films. Uh, but this one, like, when I saw it, like, I don't know, just really... Like, obviously, the first one is outrageous and it has a lot of, of humor elements, too, but they really... Sam Raimi takes it to like a whole nother level in, in Evil Dead 2 and it's so goddamn hilarious and, and just violent as hell and I remember seeing you know seeing these movies for the first time and like I felt like I I just had never seen anything like that really like obviously like you know there's there's humor in you know Nightmare on Elm Street of course uh, Freddy is very uh, comedic with the, and witty and, and such but I felt like Beyond that, I didn't really see anything like this, and I thought it was, I just was really attracted to, like we just talked about, how the the comedy and the horror side of things, like, it's so violent and crazy, the stuff that's going on, but it's, it's you know, just to throw that comedy element into it, 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 I just think it's really, like, I know that, I don't know, I just think Sam Raimi was really onto something with these with these flicks, and I, and I, I love the, the meshing of, of the comedy and horror and Bruce Campbell is really, really is the man. And um, obviously, it gets much crazier after after Evil Dead Two with you know Army of Darkness and such. But I felt like this one really nailed it with the, uh, you know, with what they were going for, and just just such a fun watch. Yeah, I'm not a huge Evil Dead fan. I am a huge fan of Evil Dead Two. I do like Army of Darkness. I haven't watched the Evil Dead show, but Evil Dead Two for me. Watching that as a kid was very funny, and uh, it was a great watch. Uh, and yeah, uh, another great, uh, another great choice. Wouldn't you guys like kind of agree that like, like if you were thinking like of any of the franchises, like I mean, I guess like well, like Child's Play has a lot of of comedic value as well. But like, when you say like Evil Dead be the one that most people thought of, like when it came to like one of the really heavy hitter franchises that had like the most you know comedic elements. Oh, for sure. You know, because every, you know, Halloween or, or Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, like, there's, obviously, there's going to be some sort of, there's going to be comedy sprinkled in somewhere, like, in, in one of the, you know, in, in, right. in one of the, but, uh, yeah, this one, I feel like, is, like, the most synonymous with the, with comedy, so. Yeah, for sure. Oh, show. 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 You, can, you can edit that out, too. For sure. <laughs> so, my number three is a recent film uh another a second i almost feel like a 
like a like a noob here for having so many uh, newer films, but I honestly think some of the these some of the that's why it kills me when people say that there aren't good movies still coming out. Um, I think there's great movies that have come out in the last ten years. Um, some of the best, uh, especially when it comes to horror comedies. Um, so I do have one from 2013 or 14 that's going to be on my honorable mentions too. But my number three is from 2014, and I lost it when I saw this movie. It it is so fucking good. What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. It literally, like... Uh, I mean, it just... Uh, I'm a huge vampire fan. Um, my favorite movie of all time is a vampire film. A couple more of my favorite movies, probably in my top ten list, are vampire films. So I'm probably closest. To, if I had to pick a monster, it would definitely be a vamp vampire. But what we do in the shadows just hit on all the, all the, I don't know. It just it just did everything for me. It was so much fucking fun, and it took the piss out of the vampire genre. And there was so much like homage to other vampire flicks, and 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 obviously uh, the oldest vampire, Peter, um, playing uh, you know is obviously uh, an homage to Nosferatu. It's it's a it's an homage to the vampire in Salem's Lot. Like it was just and there's you know there's so many references to the great vampire, uh, you know movies of all time and it's just it's just so over the top and great yeah i mean i agree fully i don't want to say too much on the movie just because uh well i have my reasons but uh it, it's phenomenal yeah i mean i absolutely love it so and it's i mean it, it was literally i think it had such a fanfare for it that it ended up launching a tv show in 2019 and here we are going into uh it's been greenlit for a fourth season, but the season three debuts in just a few weeks on September second. Yeah, I can't wait. I've been I've been showing the show the movie to Jen and my wife, and uh, we've been watching the show. I think it's like I said, I, I absolutely love the movie, and uh, I think it's great that they spun the show off because there's so much you can do with it. And the show is is holding its own too. You'd think that would be you know, uh, a cut under what the movie was. And I think it's holding its own and it's, the show is fucking like killing us too. Yeah. It's, it, it is tough. Like you said, cause having a, a movie like that, that people absolutely love, um, you kind of have the cards stacked against you a little bit. Like you, you know, like living in the shadow of the movie, but yeah, they've done a great job and, uh, I'm so pumped for the new season and, uh, from, you know, the show is hilarious. So, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, all right. So that's our top threes. Now we're into the final two. Do we have BT back? Yes. Let me just uh, take care of my cat real quick. All right, I'll, I'll just hop in. How about that? How's that sound? Yeah, let's switch places. Right? All right, perfect. Well, I'm just gonna go right off of Jesse because my number two is actually what we do in the shadows. Perfect. Um, I really, you know, uh, he said a lot about it. I, I really got too much more to add uh, other than, you know, it was, it's really 
when you see something that like this where the vampire story for years has always been taken so serious you know um we have countless films and, and stories about vampires and i would say 90 percent of them are are to be taken so serious but then when you you kind of take the piss out of it and like uh, Taika Waititi and what Jermaine Clement or whatever his name is, those guys. Like the movie is just literally hilarious, and it's 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 a goddamn. It's honestly and like you know it's a classic, and I know it's like you were talking about someone new, but like I don't know, like just seeing it in that frame of reference of you know the documentary style, but like these guys are just living like mob day lives. But oh, it's literally like the, one of the greatest things ever. Um, and like you said, spawning the television show that they could continue the story. And I know they all have like a, uh, they make cameos and they have uh, their hands involved with it as well as producers and stuff. But anybody hasn't seen it. I mean, I strongly, strongly suggest checking it out because it's, it's hilarious, hilarious for Yeah. I got to get back into the TV show. Yeah. The TV show is, is brilliant as well. Um, BT, you done feeding the cat? Yeah. Perfect. What's your number two? At number two, I have Gremlins. I mean, oh. it's uh, it's arguably the juggernaut of horror comedy. It it may or may not have spawned a million different uh, movies of kind of cut from the same cloth. Uh, yeah. I mean, Joe Dante probably the master of the horror comedy in my eyes because you know i'll, I'll just mention it right now since we're we're to talk we're jumping into and and as a spoiler alert because i'm going to mention my number two my last two films are joe dante films so you said your number two is gremlins my number two is gremlins well okay i guess you can just take it from there oh wait wait was your wait wait, was your number two your number three was gremlins right my number two is gremlins okay your number two did we get your number three it was return of the living dead. return of the living dead okay okay so perfect so silly. yeah you're okay, so, you're yeah gremlins it's kind of funny because it's like as a child it was one of my favorite christmas movies and somehow it just completely went over my head that Phoebe Cates tells the story about her father's death. And <laughs> she found out there was no Santa. And the fact that, you know, we got cute little Gizmo, who I always wanted as a pet. But we also have, like, the gremlins clawing the shit out of a guy dressed as Santa Claus and killing people. But we also have, like, the so many comedic moments like the whole bar sequence is probably one of the funniest things i've ever seen i um, mean it, yeah gremlins just and i think i think it's funny out of my top five i have two christmas movies um but gremlins is just it it does it and i know initially it was going to be darker but and i don't i think i think at the time in 84 I think the right decision by the studio to go a little bit more comedic and not make the gremlins as dark and not as murderous um, was the right choice because it's, it is one of those films that I think 
intrigued kids at a young age, us, and generations to follow. But that movie is just the weight that that movie's carried and the, the legacy that that movie still carries to this day speaks volumes for the movie that they, that they created, all of them, um, and Joe Dante specifically, because I think truly he is the master, because my number two is Gremlins, and I, I'll reveal my number one. It's also a Joe Dante film, but I also wanted to mention another film that is a Joe Dante film from 2013 or 14 called... Um, uh, why, why, am I, uh, why am I blanking? Bearing the X. Wow, I can't believe I just was just blanking. Um, that movie, uh, R.I.P. Anton Yelkin, uh, amazing actor, but he uh, he was just uh, or Dante was just so good at that, and that movie is so much fun. Even though we had seen, and I think in the same year we got uh, Life After Beth, <clears throat> and there's so many of those like type of movies that came out all in like a cluster or whatever, but bearing the X is just so great. It makes you feel like, I mean, especially cause you have a horror fan that, you know, uh, I don't know. It, um, bearing the X was just so fucking good. It was so hard to not put that one on my list too. I could have easily had three Joe Dante films on my fucking list, but yeah. Anyway, gremlins, um, just a juggernaut of a film. Just, uh, can I com- just, can I just- pop in and say isn't it funny that there's like this whole almost like genre of like comedic horror flicks of just like your significant other like coming back from the dead somehow like <laughs> burying the ex and uh, uh life after bath and like my boyfriend's back and just like there's a lot of like my what was it like my best friend's a vampire i don't know just like stuff like that you know what i mean or it's like that's the plot line is like you're significant other somehow is like either a zombie or a vampire yeah it's uh i mean and then disney even ran with it too i think you know my mom's dating a vampire you know yeah. my, my fucking babysitter's a werewolf or something like that it's like that that like I, you know what I, I never saw it. i don't know if you guys did that movie that came out like a couple of years back called warm bodies wasn't that the same premise too like the, yep it was like a, a zombie and yeah, yeah one like the, one one hundred percent like a little niche, like niche, like that's like the plot lines. It's pretty great. So, all right. Everyone got their number twos in, right? Yep. All right. Our number ones. Yeah. Brian, why don't you kick it off? My number one is, you know, I, I'm kind of insecure about this one because the more I've had time to think about it, like, while we've been recording. I'm like, should this count as a comedy horror, even by my own rules? But it's there, so I'm just going to go with it. Uh, My number one is the original Last House on the Left. (laughs) I'm just kidding. The original Fright Night (laughs) is my favorite uh, comedy horror. Although, this movie did freak me out a little when I first saw it, but I don't know. Roddy McDowell's hilarious in it Stephen Jeffries is hilarious in it and I feel like the tone is pretty balanced between humor and horror yeah um and Fright Night's another one of those films where I that's another another reason I couldn't put it in my top list was because it was just I never I mean it was definitely funny but I never read it so much like a comedy that I would immediately think that it was a horror comedy 
And I and again, yeah. I, I totally understand why people consider it a horror comedy, and it and it definitely is. But I think in the same way, like Lost Boys, Lost Boys is one hundred percent considered a horror comedy. But it being my favorite movie of all time, I never think. I do think it's funny, obviously, and I do think it's a horror comedy. But it's I, I don't know. I, there's for just some reason I wouldn't categorize. Okay, that's a perfect example. There's Return of Living Dead, Fright Night, and The Lost Boys are so big, I would never feel comfortable pigeonholing holding them into the genre of a horror comedy because there's so much more than that, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Well, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I agree about Fright Night because, like I said, the, the more I've had time to think about it, I don't think it's as equally balanced between comedy and horror is like to me return of the living dead is it's more like scream where there there's lots of humor but the tone overall is not meant to be totally just funny right right but who cares it's my number one exactly exactly (laughs) eric what's your number one uh, well, I hate to steal the thunder, but uh, my number one is going to be Joe Dante's The Burbs. And uh, since we'll just wrap this up right now, I mean, at least with, as far as our list go, my number one is 1989's The Burbs by Joe Dante. We could just kind of, you know, talk back and forth on it, but obviously this movie is like, you know, just a goddamn classic. The greatest characters. And I just, I love everything about this. Like, I love the, the story, the setting, you know, suburban. Hank's just on, like, his a week vacation. He's got the, you know, the, the scary neighbors that come in next door. It's just literally the perfect mix of, uh, I don't know, the movie's just so goddamn good. Probably my, I mean, it's just, I, I this is definitely up there with those movies that we quote the most to, to each other, just okay. randomly. Um, For sure. This movie is just so quotable. Amazing characters, amazing acting. I just wanted to say, uh, uh, Rick Duckerman, Duncanman, however you uh, pronounce his name, uh, as Art is one of the greatest characters ever. Uh, Bruce Dern as Rumsfeld, uh, Rumsfeld. Uh, I mean, those guys fucking and bruce dern was like a pretty serious actor too for him to kind of easily take on this role and just be so fucking perfect and 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 ricky d as fucking art fucking killing it just and you got Corey feldman as ricky i mean there's this movie is just so fucking perfect and this in my eyes is is the true perfect horror comedy maybe ever especially because even if you feel like it's more comedy than it is horror, at the end when you find out, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, you need to stop watching or listening to this and go watch it. But uh, when you find well, out... You've had a little bit of time to check it out. So. <laughs> yeah. It's only been out for fucking 32 years. But um, yeah, this movie is just... When you find out that Klopax actually did murder, his name was Nap. Uh, you, know, you know, those... It, that like really like brings the horror element up to it. And it's just so fucking like perfect. And the fucking lines are just so quotable in this. It's just so fucking, Hey Ray, don't you take your balls out of your wife's purse? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, I know uh, Hanks has a lot of, uh, 
obviously has various roles of comedy and his early stuff. He had a lot of comedies and, and kind of joking stuff, but uh, this, you know, this is definitely his best movie for sure. I mean, in my eyes, of course. Yeah, I think he he touches upon something that's really unique in this film. And he really nails that, like, just a guy trying to, like, unwind while he's not working. And he gets drug into, like, investigating his neighbors for the murder. And he's got these two these two crazy neighbors. He's got fucking, you know, the neighborhood, like, heavy metal skateboard kid Ricky there. Like, it's just so, it's such a perfect film. It's just so fun. And it's the epitome of a horror comedy. And you, of course, with the Dante film, you get you get Dick Miller, you get Robert Bacart, like you get all the great cameos that you you want to see in there. And Courtney Gaines is fucking Hans Hans Christian Anderson, a fine Christian name. <laughs> and just the they're called the goddamn brownies. <laughs> fucking Rumsfeld, his wife fucking has to make brownies to go over there, and he. <laughs> falls in the fucking deck and spills the fucking brownies, picks him up with dirt and shit all over him and goes, yeah, Sonny, something for the old sweet tooth. Like, it's fucking like sleep. It fucking annihilates me. Oh yeah, Bruce Dern like absolutely destroys in that flick, so. That might be, honestly, that might be one of my favorite roles of, from all 80s movies. That's in t- that's That's top 10 for sure. Oh yeah. Masterpiece, legit. BT, thoughts on the Burbs? I like it a lot. I have not seen it as many times as you guys have. But I love it. You better get on it. Are we gonna, we are gonna do a couple honorable mentions, right? Because there is one flick I do want to talk about, even though it probably should have been in my top five, or my top five, but uh, I do want to mention that, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's hear some honorable mentions. Well, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, so, I had ones, like, obviously, the Gremlins is, like, I love the Gremlins. I just kind of figured everyone was going to talk about it, so I kind of left it. I know it's kind of a cop-out thing to say, but, uh, but yeah, so, Gremlins, obviously, Shaun of the Dead uh, is a lot of fun, obviously, paying homage to the great George Romero, um, pretty much just, like, a a love letter to a, a Romero flick, but the one I really wanted to talk about, actually, is uh, 1999's Idle Hands. Uh, this movie means a lot to me just because for nostalgia reasons as well, because me and my brother BT here have watched this movie together countless times. Absolutely love it. Uh, you know, Devin Sawa, Seth Green, Jessica, Jessica Alba. This movie is, uh, just, I don't know. It just, it's just like a, it's, it's just so, so fitting for the time, you know, 1999. It was just, it was so hard not to put that one on my list. It was so hard to not put that one on my list. It was so really like, like as we're doing this, I'm like, man, this like should have been on my list. But I mean, takes place around Halloween, super horror comedy. We got fucking Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 making a cameo. We got fucking Vivica A. Fox. I mean, yeah. we got the fucking yeah, Offspring awesome. playing Ramones. Yeah. Offspring playing Ramones songs. This, this, yeah, this movie is so goddamn good. And like I said, you know, super nostalgic means a lot to me. Me and BT used to watch this movie as I'm, I hope we'll talk about all the time together. So, yeah, it's Idle Hands, just fucking one of those movies that just, it definitely stands the test of time, too. 
I watched that movie probably, I don't know, a couple years ago. Whenever it came out on Scream Factory, put it on a Blu-ray, we rewatched it, and it just holds up so well. It's so fun. It, 100% fitting in the times. If that movie doesn't scream 1999 slash year 2000 to you, like, watching that movie brings me fucking back to watching it late at night on, like, a Tuesday or something on HBO after I just got done watching The Farm Club, if you remember The Farm Club. No. So the fa- so real quick, uh, the Farm Club was where like trying to make it bands or like indie signed bands played for like Matt Penfield at on I think it was on H or USA after like I think it used to be on after Monday Night Raw, but they'd play for like Matt Penfield and other like music uh, you know notable producer executive A and R dudes. And, like, they had a bunch of bands on there. I think Phoenix TX was on there. I know fucking that Dynamite Hack band was on there that covered uh, Boys in the Hood. Sounds vaguely familiar with the Dynamite Hack reference. Yeah, that's kind of what broke them. And then they they signed and and did the music video that was fucking buzzworthy on MTV. And you'd watch it every morning at, like, fucking 7 o'clock before the bus picked you up. BT, I thought you were going to have more to say about this just since I dropped your name that we should watch it together. You know, it is what it is, I guess. But how, you want me to talk over Jesse? <laughs> Sorry, BT, right, let's, Jesse, let's have your take on Idle Hands. Fuck you. So I can just say, <laughs> yes, I love Idle Hands. Very nostalgic. I honestly didn't think of it for this list, though. But, you know, it was very, you know, I only had a few hours to think, so. Well, I guess it means a lot more to me. Give me a fucking break. So some of my honorable mentions, obviously I mentioned Burying the X. Dracula Dead and Loving It, I I added to the list. But uh, you mentioned to Eric, uh, my best friend's a vampire. I grew up loving this film, watching it on Comedy Central. And uh, they used to show it on Showtime and shit. Just like fucking hilarious film. Shaun of the Dead, obviously. That was hard not to throw in the top five, too. It's just so so funny. Great homage to so many zombie films. Uh, just amazing. Super funny. Great re- rewatch value. Um, Idle Hands was on mine. Um, obviously, Elvira getting bumped from number five for Krampus. I got to throw her on there. Uh, Zombieland. Zombieland's another one. I know it was a super big movie, and like it had you know the A-list Emma Stones and the the Jesse Eisenberg's in it and shit, but that movie is fucking great, and it's a lot of fun. BT and I went and saw it in theaters. It's a lot of fucking fun, but another movie I'm shocked that neither one of you mentioned and wasn't on your list, um, and it almost made my top five. All these movies immediately were, were in the running, and I would have they were going to be in my top ten. Uh, 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. See, it's like... See, that... Yeah, that could have been in there. <laughs> It's like you, you're trying to put these lists together, you almost forget. It, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But I'm glad we got, like, natural. Would have been fun too. We got natural organic answers, like, from off the top of your head. So I appreciate yeah. that. But uh, obviously, I mean, Buffy, I know you guys are huge fans of the show. I've yet to get through the first season yet because uh, Bridget doesn't want to watch something with such low quality on Hulu. Um but the the movie I fucking just adored. I loved that movie growing up so much. Oh yeah, that's funny. That movie's great, and another like sign of those times too, especially like with the cast, Christy and Luke Perry, David Arquette. 
goddamn Rucker Hauer, like <laughs> Donald Sutherland. Like, think about that. Fucking Paul Rubens. Paul like, fucking Rubens, Pee Wee. I mean, yeah. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, his little cameo. Sasha Jensen. Sasha Jensen. Seth Green, I think, is an unaccredited like, uh, scene as well, if I can recall. Yes. Michael Coppola. Michael Coppola of Stone Age fame playing, hey, yeah, having a. Also, the kid are that. Hillary Swank yet? Nope. Ricky Dean Logan from Freddy's Dead. I just want to say, too, that it's so cool that, you know, since we talked about what we do in the shadows, that. Uh, Paul Rubens uh, carries that character over for that that scene and fucking what we do shadows the show. So fucking amazing, fucking like you only like no no offense to anybody that like watched that. So many people probably didn't understand that, but I'm so glad that we did. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I mean. Like that shows the true like how much fans like the people behind that show are when they bring out, you know, they bring in Paul Rubens character for fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yeah. I saw a rumor. He looked really close to like how he did then, which was crazy. I know. For Buffy, I mean, for Buffy too. I, I love it when fucking they rip off his arm and he just goes, kill him a lot. <laughs> BT, you were saying you heard a rumor. Yeah. I saw they were, I guess they're trying to get Sarah Michelle Geller to play Buffy in an episode of the show. Oh, that'd oh, be really? so oh, great. That's one honorable mention I have that I'm surprised neither of you had, but maybe there's a reason for it, is the Monster Squad. Yeah. Like, I think that probably falls in the same category for Eric as Lost Boys does for me, where it's it's too big of a film for you to try to try to, try to genreize yeah. it into this category. My my thought process was, as you all know, and I'm sure if you listen to the show before, maybe that you know that's like my favorite movie of all time. Uh, it obviously has a tremendous amount of horror element or comedic elements, uh, but yeah, I just kind of left it off just because I felt like. It's been talked about too much, and you wanted to just show, you wanted to put some light on some other horror comedies. One yeah, that wasn't like, a dead giveaway is your favorite film of all time. Exactly, like obviously that is my favorite film of all time. So it's going to be if it was on a comedic horror list, it would be my number one as well. But I kind of kept it off just to, yeah, exactly, kind of shed light on other ones. But I guess you know to an extent we could have even included, and this is a movie we're going to cover. Uh, in honor of Toby passing, we're going to cover this movie in a week or two. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is another one that could easily have been on these lists. But again, if I included Lost Boys, uh, Fright Night, Return of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, all those movies would have appeared on my list. Right. I'm with you. And I think this is like what we were talking about earlier, not to keep reiterating it, but this shows that like, you know, horror and comedy kind of really do go hand in hand. I mean, even looking like back to like, you know, Abbott, Co- Abbott and Costello are doing like crossover horror flicks like back then, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. and then like Mel Brooks doing like, you know, it's just, they kind of really do go hand in hand. And, and I think it, you'd be hard pressed to find a really great horror movie um, or some of the classics that don't have at least a hint of, of comedy and, and at least a couple of scenes. So, mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess I get what you guys are saying because I um, was debating whether I should have Beetlejuice on my list or not, and I kept it off because I don't really categorize that as 
horror in my head and it's too big to really lump in with the other movies that I mentioned. Right. But I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Like it, it means, no, definitely. Like the other movies I mentioned mean a lot to me as well, but Beetlejuice is like a whole nother level. So it'd be weird to mix it up with those. Nope. That's exactly how I think we feel uh, about Lost Boys and Monster Squad and, and yeah, for me, Return of so, the Living Dead. And... Yeah. Right. So I get it now. But another honorable mention that I only saw a couple of years ago is all the way back from 1932. It's a movie called The Old Dark House, um, directed by James Whale, who did Frankenstein and The Bride of Frankenstein, Boris Karloff's in it. Um, if you watch it, if you ever are able to find it, it's on Toby, actually, as Sean would say. Um, <laughs> is that Toby you mean? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> similarities to i mean it's in a big castle these people end up you know having to go to this castle because there's a storm they had to drive off the road and they just end up with a really like weird fucked up family and it's sort of the first movie of that kind and i think rob zombie might have taken some inspiration for from it for house of a thousand corpses at there is a clip of it in House of the Thousand Corpses, actually. And another old black and white one on my honorable mentions list is Spider Baby from 1968, which I believe Rob Zombie was also inspired by. Oh, yeah, big time. I think that movie played a, a big uh, role in him casting Sid Haig. Yeah, Sid Haig. So those are some great ones. I also had written down Night of the Comet, American Werewolf in London, and Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, like I said, I think that that having, you know, some of the biggest horror movies of all time appear on, you know, our lists or honorable mentions on our list um, shows you how intertwined comedy and horror truly is. But these are our lists and we're sticking to it. And these were great lists. This was a good episode. It was. I I did want to ask you guys something. I know that Brian, I mean, this kind of movie doesn't coincide with what we're speaking about. Brian mentioned Boris Karloff. Did you guys see that there? there's a documentary coming out about him this year that sounds pretty awesome called the the man behind the monster i think it's actually going to be in theaters i think it's supposed to come out in october very i've heard about this so i'm very intrigued yeah i remember hearing about it a while ago because i know like i think like they interviewed a bunch of people for it like uh and i think i saw i don't know if it was joe dante or somebody Maybe Guillermo del Toro. Somebody I saw like was doing was being interviewed for it, but I guess it's coming out in October, so that should be pretty cool. If it is in theaters, that'd be awesome to see it in theaters. But. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye out for because that sounds awesome. Oh yeah. Well, all right, boys, that'll just about do it. You can find us on Instagram at Heart Guide Media. You can find us on Twitter at Heart Guide Media. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes slash Apple. And uh, host site is Anchor. You can check us out there. And you can check our link in our bio on our Instagram and our Twitter. That'll bring you to Linktree. And you can get linked up to wherever you can you know, listen to this podcast on all the streaming platforms. It's on just about everything. And, uh, yeah, give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, send us a rating, a review. Uh, tell us how much you enjoy or don't enjoy the podcast. If you're brave enough to comment on our Instagram page and yeah, we'll see you next time on the sight and sound podcast. And, uh, thanks for checking it out.